rack. There's another house nigga's neck. Now another soft Uncle Soft Uncle Tom crew is in check. Damn, KRS One. House niggas from the Edutainment album. Man, I haven't listened to that song in a bit. Gosh, that's man, gospel. Anyway, shout out to Boogie Down Productions. I, I think Karis once should work to bring back Boogie Down Productions. He ain't been the same since he went solo. I think uh, Miss Melody, Willie D, Kenny Parker, TR-808, and the spirit of Scott LaRock, I think they kept him grounded, man. The brother's mad talented, but since he lost BDP, man, he's just been bugging. Coming a, a, a sneak attack Christian. Anyway. This is the Bro Diallo Show. Yeah, I'm back after some challenges. <laughs> after some challenges, the ancestors, I guess they wanted to humble me. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not going to bog down. We got a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of uh, ground to catch up on. Thank you for everyone that um, sent me shout outs while I was recovering, you know, from a lot, man, mental and physical. And if spirit was real, I would say spiritual challenges that i've had over the past few weeks but i'm here you know and i'm i'm happy to be back you know in on, on this uh what is it june pride month june 5th the year of your lord 2023 of course this is the bro diallo show on q4 radio q4.org i'm broadcasting straight out of the sanctuary sanctuary hypocrisy that is the city of Chirac, <laughs> state of Illinois, in the United States of America, on an over-ravaged, soon-to-be devoid-of-life planet Earth in the misnamed Milky Way galaxy. And it's funny, when I was on my Earn Your Liberation show every Friday, uh, Black Power Media, collabs, coordination, co-conspirators, um... Everybody was in the comments talking about you ain't talking about Chicago, the $51 million they given to the immigrants in Chicago. As if for the last seven years, I haven't started my show with calling Chicago the sanctuary hypocrisy. So before they gave $51 million to immigrants and black people all up in arms about it, I was calling out the fact that Chicago, Chirac, is a hypocritical sanctuary. It was designated a sanctuary city. And it's hypocritical for two reasons. It is not, it claims to be a sanctuary city for the wretched. Send me your wretched, your unhoused, your unclothed, for migrants, refugees. And it's not even a sanctuary for its residents, for its citizens. So it's hypocritical because on the surface, Chicago had the gall, the nerve, the audacity to call itself a sanctuary and come on. But before I even get into that, I'm just tripping that people come to me like, bro, Diallo, you ain't got nothing to say about the city council, Chicago City Council approving 50 million, 51 million dollars for refugees and, and, and immigrants. You have nothing to say. And I'm looking in the comments like, Every day of my show, I said I'm broadcasting from the sanctuary hypocrisy. What do you think I mean when I call Chirac the sanctuary hypocrisy? I talk on it every day before y'all was talking on it. Before the money resigned, before the money came up. I was talking about it long before any money got put on the table. 
But I man, y'all don't y'all just don't. But anyway, I want to do something I never done before. <laughs> uh hope my wife is listening. <laughs> Cause I want to do something I had never done before. And I'ma share it with y'all. I'm gonna bring y'all on board with 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 my new things, my new adventures. And what I'm gonna do. Live on the radio. I don't know how it's going to translate to the people listening on the radio. Sometimes I feel like I'll be doing my people on the radio wrong because I also broadcast at Diallo on Facebook and YouTube. Um, and now I'm broadcasting on Twitch. I've left Twitter. I've left Twitter, man. I'm on Twitter, but I'm cycling off of Twitter. I used to broadcast live on Twitter, man, but bankrupt Elon Musk. It's now a right wing, a hyper right wing. Before it was a conservative website. Now it's a full on fascist. So um, Dave Chappelle's homeboy. Dave Chappelle's white daddy, Elon Musk, is on there bugging. So I'm like, let me get off of here, man. Let me not broadcast, man. Let me let me get away from these right wingers. Because at first I was just blocking all the... But anyway, I ain't going to burden y'all with that. Let's get to the new thing. Like I said, I want to try something new with y'all. So I hope y'all trust me. Hope y'all have enough confidence in me. I hope y'all just sit back, relax, and let me try something new. And if you don't like it, the safe word is bro Diallo. <laughs> all right. So um, what I'm going to do on the bro Diallo show for the first time, I don't know how this is going to translate on the radio but for y'all watching on video y'all have subscribed to my youtube i'm gonna do what is called on in the internet sphere which i've never done an unboxing over the years i've received packages and gifts from my q4 listeners love offerings gratitude challenges People have sent me things they want me to embrace. They've sent me things they want me to critique and break down or validate or invalidate. But in I generally, you know, I send my gratitude to those people individually, but I don't generally go all out like that. But I think this time, you know, I'll do it publicly and start to do it, you know, unboxings. So I'm going to do my first unboxing. I got here to the radio station. And another thing that's weird. Let me tell y'all, man, I work for the people. I work for the people. I am the people's voice. I am for the people, for the, for the pan-African liberation, revolutionary pan-African struggle, for the black rationalist, black atheist community. I am the voice for, of, 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 of segments of the black community that I think don't have enough of a voice. Or got too many fraudulent voices out there claiming to speak for Pan-Africanism when you are not a revolutionary. When you exclude large segments of the Pan-African community. Claim to be down for people's liberation, but you're only down to create a, a cult of personality, a demagoguery. So, since I work for y'all, y'all my employers, I feel like when, I, when I'm out for extended periods of time, y'all think I'm going on strike. <laughs> And y'all start sending me kind words. You know, y'all start reaching out to me, telling me how much y'all support and love. Like, I'm on strike. I Maybe I should go on strike when I don't feel that I'm getting the support that I deem myself worthy of. I'm a picket the people. <laughs> but this time, I wasn't out as, as a point of rebellion. I wasn't out because I was striking and picket, picketing my bosses, the people. I was out because I was truly out. 
I'm still recovering, but I'm good enough. I'm so happy to be back on my feet. I want to do everything. You know, when you're laid up, you think to all the things you could be doing if you weren't laid up. And then when you get up, you don't do none of those things. That's the type of guy I am. I almost said the, the N-bomb. Like uh, Willie D on Gangster of Love. You know, that's the type of brother I am. No, I, it wasn't. That was uh, action. Y'all call him Scarface. His real name is action but anyway i'm gonna do an unboxing live on the air my first unboxing but maybe it won't be my last i've never done this kind of stuff before i got a gift i was reached out to by uh, uh charles h kerr publishing and they said we want to send you some things first let me see if it's you know let me see if it's kosher all right don't sound like it's anything alive or moving around in there. People would be funny. Because I don't know what's in here. So we're going to find out at the same time what's in this box. Hold it up to the camera from Charles Kerr Publishing, which is supposed to be a left-wing radical publishing company. Where its publishers, writers, are fans of the Bro Diallo show. So I'm unboxing here well packaged why they got it taped up so god damn it see maybe i should have rehearsed this i don't want to damage what's inside by stabbing at the box put my my little blade back put my little switch blade back you know how i do i'm old school boy i always got a little blade anyway let's see what we got here oh some stuffing and we have first Peter Cole, The Life and Times of Black Wallaby. You know, the I talk about the Wallabies all the time. The IWW, International Workers of the World. Ben Fletcher, The Life and Times of a Black Wallaby. So I'm really looking forward to, to reading this. Uh, writings and speeches. And if you don't know who the Wallabies are, they are the IWW, the International Workers of the World. They were the first, one of the first like true unions because we talk about the labor i ain't gonna get let me not let me not take this over let me not steal this moment let me just say the iww was an anarcho-socialist radical workers movement and it was founded way back in the heart of jim crow segregation and it was one of the few white labor unions or or, or socialist unions that didn't that weren't racist that weren't discriminatory that allowed for full participation of, of, of women and, and minorities and all that. So I've always been an admirer of the IWW. The IWW still exists. I remember during the Occupy movement, I was interacting and engaging with some IWW members. So they still out there, not in the force they used to be. Cause they used, their, the IWW was like, listen, if you got a labor dispute, uh, uh, chase the managers out of town kill the owners and claim the the, the, the work so shout out to they got a uh uh ben fletcher who i don't know about i thought i knew something about the iww so the, ben fletcher uh history against misery by david rodinger uh writing a few exploit history against mystery to be clear so it's uh hatred and and oppression work a great history so this is a leftist radical assessment of history racism and color blindness so another radical work by charles 
H. Kerr Publishing. So, looking forward. I'm going to be busy this summer. Got some summer reading. Added to my summer reading. T-Bone Slims, the selected writers, writings of T-Bone Slim. All right. This is, I already have this book. So, I'm going to offer this book up as a gift. Because I already have a copy of this book. We will return in the whirlwind black organizations from 1960 to 1975. I've actually read this book. I bought this book in Kansas City years and years ago. So I will be gifting this book. Maybe I'll gift it to my listeners. I'll put up some type of uh, challenge or something. So, but I have that book. So let's hope there's no more repeats. But I'm going to rush this. Let's hurry up and get through this. Labor Struggles in the Deep South. Wonderful. This is another IWW book. Big fan of the IWW. That's why I guess I was like, why they send me this? What I done did. Lessons of the Hour, Wendell Phillips and on the abolition strategy. Crime and Criminals. Uh, addresses to pr prisoners in the Cook County Jail and other writings on crime and punishment. And again, this is all from a leftist radical point of view. Lucy Parsons. I know about her, but I don't have this book. Another uh, a radical black anarchist. See, black anarchy. That's why people like atheist anarchist. Black atheist and anarchist been at the forefront of the struggle for decades. Just like black religious people have been at the on the side of the enemies for the longest too. Claude McKay, Harlem Glory. We love us some Claude McKay. CLR James, another uh, radical. Another black radical, but I'm not sure uh, who Grace Lee is. Facing reality. Let's get through this. The Big Red Songbook, IWW song. If you listen to my Labor Day show, oh, this is song lyrics. This is really cool. Um, if you listen to my Labor Day songs, you will hear, I'm sure, some of the songs I played, some of the labor song. What side are you on, boy? Okay, two more, and we're done. Dancing in the Streets, Anarchist, IWW, Surrealist, Situationist, and Provost in the 1960s. Rebel Worker, Heat Wave. So, and the final book from the Haymarket Heritage. Hey, I guess this is what, they probably sent me this. Because of my uh, Labor Day show, where I've always talked about uh, the, the radical labor tradition, anarchism, socialism. So this is everything that was in the unboxing. This, I mean, blessings on blessings. Y'all get y'all blessings from a higher power. I get my blessings from anarcho uh, socialist. And, and so anyway, got me an anarchist book collection. Like I said, there's actually a couple of books I already have. So I'm going to gift those books. I'm going to figure out a clever way to share those books with my listeners. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know who Grace Lee is. Or maybe it is. It's not, maybe I don't. But no, I don't, I don't recall who Grace Lee is. But I'll be finding out. Yeah, I remember Lucy Parsons had issues with race. Yeah, but she was a, still a good anarchist. We got a lot of uh, people who profoundly claim their blackness but ain't down for the struggle so can't have it all what do you want from me but yes lucy parsons did have some identity issues but beyond that she still 
regardless, irregardless of what she knew or what she doesn't know, a black woman was at the forefront of the, the uh, um, anarcho-socialist labor struggles and, and radical labor struggles. But I digress. Very happy to have those books. Shout out. Now let's get to the topic because that, that took longer than I thought. I didn't expect it to be that much. You know, while I was out, I got a call from the Q4 staff and they were like, you got a package. And then they hang up. I think they tired of me. <laughs> Who are they sick of me here? I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Shoot, I'm stuck in. But anyway, let's move on. The mental of the black man. Let me take this hat off. I'm hot. All right. Oh, that's a little more comfortable, a little more flowy. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for if y'all didn't like that book, unbox because I got some other stuff. You know, I get solidarity gifts. It's it's weird. I do get a lot of uh, solidarity gifts. I just got uh, on. T I just got. And I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to show y'all. Y'all think I'm a hater. Y'all think I'm negative. Y'all think because I don't have the spirit and the light of the Lord in my in my heart that I'm repulsive to people. But people, when they see your true revolutionary uh, sincerity, you get love from the people. And I try to reciprocate that love. I'm not always the best at it because then again, I am an alpha male. So, you know, how we struggle with our emotions showing emotions but i do appreciate it but anyway another gift i got but i can't bring it up in here i'm not that strong but i'll get some pictures and share it with y'all i got me some uh four gallons of of traditionally hand pressed virgin olive oil from palestine picked and secured by palestinian rebels who are fighting day to day against Overwhelming odds, genocidal Zionist occupied territories. So I got and 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 they they uh, I've got listeners, I got supporters from the occupied territory Gaza Strip, and they get me this. They can't. They struggle to get this stuff out of their country, let alone to distribute it properly. And they've given, they've gifted me like this huge drum of, of, of olive oil, which is delicious. I feel guilty enjoying it so much because I know how the people are suffer, suffering. But anyway, so shout out to the, to the Palestinians and their struggle. Shout out to the, the radical leftist, anarcho-socialist workers' struggles. And shout out to, to the pan-African liberationists across the globe. Shout out to Shayon Kuti. He's out. Shayun Kuti is out. You know, that's one thing. I was down. I had injured myself and I was laying down, relaxing, recovering. And my wife came in the bedroom. And it's like Shayun is in jail. And I'm like, damn, I just can't catch a break. So I, I immediately I send Shayun a text and he's like, I'm good. You know, relax. So I'm like, OK, so he's out. It's just so anyway, um, everything is OK for the moment. Now we can just get back to the regular omnicidal uh, white uh, hegemony, white hegemony and, and the omnicidal uh, destruction, capitalist um, omnicidal white hegemony and, and capitalist ecocide. Now we can get back just to the normal catastrophes because all the small personal catastrophes have seemed to have subsided for the moment. We can get back to the struggle. Anyway, I want to talk for a moment about everybody was asking me 
about the $51 million for, for migrants. And everybody's up in arms about the fact that the city council voted overwhelmingly to give $51 million to immigrants and, and the black city council members and black, I wasn't going to say hustlers and shuckers, but black activists went down to city hall and was raged. Y'all going to get $51 million to these immigrants. Uh, and that should be for black people. They said, we want that money for the black community. We want that money for black kids. $51 million. Yeah. And then people are like, where are you, bro, Diallo? What are you going to say? Chicago's giving $51 million to immigrants. And I'm like, I've got nothing to say. It ain't, it ain't about nothing. This is really a hustle. Now, just break it down. What does that even mean? The first thing you have to ask yourself as a black, because like I said, I'm, a, I'm not going to curse. I'm a radical. I am a radical, like I'm a for real radical. And radicals does not mean I'm outraged, I'm militant, I'm violent. I'm a radical is actually should be the most reasonable, thoughtful, reflective people in our community. When we see a phenomenon, when we get a report, we look. We contemplate, we examine, we study, we research, and we don't draw conclusions until we have all available data and information. And I ain't saying you got to know everything. I said all available. And that's all that, that is available to you. So if all you have are the facts on the surface, if all you have is the surface, and, and that's as far as you can go, that's all you have access to, and that's what you act on, then you're a radical. But if you have access to greater understanding, greater depth, if you're a trained scholar, if you have access to, 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 to government files, if you have access to, to whistleblower data, you just look. Radical means you want to look at something from the seed. So the top, the bloom, the flower, that's the $51 million given to immigrants in a city that has under-resourced African people on purpose, that has a long history of economic exploitation and economic suppression of the black community, intensive poverty, where the black people in this city don't have enough material resources to, to live dignified lives, where our very life expectancy is five to 10 years lower than the average white person. Where Chicago, when you go anywhere in America or go anywhere in the world and say the word Chicago, the first thing that pops up in someone's minds after Chicago Bulls basketball team is violence, is death. Where the word Chicago is synonymous with black homicide. I wouldn't be surprised if you go to somewhere else in America and somebody gets shot and killed, they say that person got Chicagoed. Or when people experience violence, gun violence and gang violence outside of uh, of Chicago, they say if you're in Kansas and you see a drive by, they say, well, what is this, Chicago? You got crackers in Tennessee when they see violence and they see uh, 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 gangs, they like, what is this? I feel like I'm in Chicago in a situation like that. 
you have the city council, the elected representatives, giving resources to immigrants. So on the surface, that's outrageous. On the surface, that's unacceptable. On the surface, that money should be given to the black people. <laughs> but then let's take a radical perspective. And how should a black radical carry such understanding? Because there's mad layers. Mad layers. So, um, let's start first with who the hell are these people? Telling me they're immigrants don't mean shit. What does that mean? All immigrants ain't created equal. You got immigrants here from Scandinavia. You got immigrants here from parts of Western Europe. I remember Angela Davis was giving a talk and she was talking about all her years living and working in California in academia. And she said that she knew people of, from Latin America, from south of the border, who were born in this country and who were citizens, full-blown citizens of this country who had lived here for generations. And she said they feared La Migra. They feared the immigration services. They had all this tension and fear that they would be seen as not American and that they would be accosted, harassed, and even could be kidnapped by the immigration services or law enforcement, even though they were fully legal, full-fledged citizens of the United States. And she said she knew white people who had come here from France, Sweden, the UK, who came here on travel visa or student visas on work visas and just decided ah i want to stay on this side of the pond never got naturalized never secured citizenship never ever got nothing and we're here full-on illegal aliens blonde-haired blue-eyed legal aliens and she said she never encountered she said she knew several who navigated this system got driver's license got jobs sometimes married sometimes didn't bought property never legitimized their status never even got a social security number and never once had they ever expressed fear of immigration services fear of deportation so all immigrants ain't created equal everybody in this country is either an immigrant or a descendant of an immigrant except for two people the Native Americans and African people. The black people, we were kidnapped. We were forced to be here. And we even had citizenship forced on us. So we don't qualify as migrants. Right? Everybody else, Donald Trump, He's only been in this country three generations. We want to talk about real America. My family been here longer than Donald Trump's. Donald Trump's grandfather didn't even speak English. And his name was Drumpf. They changed it to Trump. So Donald Trump's granddaddy came here hat in hand. He was part of the tired, the, the hungry. And that piece of shit come here and we're talking about building walls. Two generations too late. So anyway, 
When you talk about immigrants as a person in the United States, especially as an African person, especially as a descendant of forced migrants, you absolutely must say, who are you talking about? Because we got people coming here from the African continent. We got African people coming here from the Caribbean. Got people coming here from all over the world. So the main people who are coming here currently, because this whole $51 million ain't got shit to do with the immigrants. Let me tell you this. It ain't got shit to do with the immigrants, black people. Let me tell you this. The, um, the, 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 People who evaluate it, right? The, 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 the crisis managers who, who, who evaluated this current immigrant, this false immigrant, this is really a criminal. It's really a crime against humanity that's going on. This is a human trafficking crime. Over 10,000 people have been trafficked across the U.S. illegally to satisfy a fascist right-wing political agenda. They have taken over 10,000 migrants from from the, the, the Texas border and have brought them to Chicago because Chicago, under Rahm Emanuel, another fascist, Zionist, racist, for branding and marketing purposes, labeled Chicago a sanctuary city when Trump was talking about building a wall and, and banning Muslims from the country. Many of the reactionary uh, uh, neo neoliberal uh, Democrats started using this term sanctuary city. That didn't mean shit. They they didn't even implement brand new policies. They just sustained old policies. To just because they didn't really have any real uh, viable leftist alternative to the right-wing fascist administration coming from the Trump on down, from the Republican Party. So this was basically a branding marketing scheme, sanctuary city. And if you were around in Chicago, 2006, 2007, I mean 2016, (laughs) 2016, 2017, if you were around and about, you would have seen posters and stickers and flyers all around Chicago sanctuary city. Chicago is a sanctuary city. And this is all a hustle. And here black people are here. We are. And so there are some civil servants, some bureaucrats who are tasked with managing this new crisis because now the right wing Republican governors in Florida and in Texas who have ambitions beyond their states are claiming they're lying and saying that this immigrant, this migrant crisis, which is a manufactured crisis. This is a manufactured crisis. What these crackers did was they, 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 him, they created a bottleneck for migration at the border. And they concentrated all these people because what would happen was these people would come across the border and then disperse and go to family and they would disperse around the country. And so they, 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 they cut off that chain of dispersal. It's a lot going on. There's a murder. There's a war crime. There's Nazi shit. I can't even get into what's going on at the border. That's a whole separate show because I got to bring it to Chicago. And if I start getting to what's really going on in Texas, in Florida, in Arizona, 
in the Maquiladoras in northern Mexico. I mean, it's some freaking mass murder Nazi shit going on down there. But I digress. Just like the, the Mediterranean Sea. What's going on in Spain and in Italy, Central Europe with African migrants. But I, I can't even get in. Let me just try to stay. Let me bring it back to Chicago because I know y'all black people in Chicago are mad about that little $51 million. But anyway, the bureaucrats <clears throat> tasked with this said, in order to deal with this crisis, this influx of migrants, we're going to need at least uh, $100 million. Housing, processing, food, because there's no infrastructure. Down in Texas, the federal government, the federal government has given Texas billions of dollars. They claim, oh, it's only a crisis because Texas misappropriated and mismanaged funds and created reactionary uh, uh, policies. This is a man-made crisis, and it goes deeper than that. But anyway, so they send these migrants here. They said, well, listen, Chicago, you want to talk, talk it like you walk it. You want to walk it like you talk it. And your sanctuary city, take these damn kids, take these damn adults, take these sick, the, the hungry, the, the, the dejected, the homeless, take them. Just for political points. This is really horrendous shit. This is the kind of shit that if it was happening in any other country, the UN, the International uh, 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 Court of, of Human Rights Court and, and the UN would send inspectors. There'd be condemnations across the globe. There'd be freaking sanctions leveled. But the United States does genocidal shit. The United States violates basic human rights. Nobody say nothing. Ooh. Debbie Danner. Let's, uh, uh, anyway, got somebody in the talking about FBA foundational black Americans are on our sides. Man, fuck the foundational black Americans and the ADOS. Fucking coons. They're a big part of what I'm talking about today. But let me get through this. Anyway, the migrants coming here are from El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, a smaller number from Haiti. But if you look at every single country that they're coming from, like El Salvador, El Salvador is under a U.S.-backed dictatorship. There's this guy down there, like, uh, I think his name, I don't know how to pronounce it, Bukele, Nayib Bukele. Anyway, this dude is a maniac, right? He's decided that he was going to rule the country with an iron fist. And what happens is what we don't understand in these countries, they have the same racial hierarchy and racial breakdown as the United States. You got the white people, the conquistadors. You got the natives. <clears throat> they have various names, tribes, nations. You got the African enslaved Africans, but not all the country have enslaved Africans because many after emancipation went on a systematic spree to exterminate all the formal slaves, kill them, throw them into the ocean. They were like, if you're not going to live in this country as slaves, you're not going to live in this country, period. So many 
Latin American countries embarked on campaigns of genocide even before the Nazis were even before Hitler was born. So you have the Africans for the few for the Latin American countries that didn't exterminate. You have the natives. You have small groups of Asian East Indians and then the mixed race people. And the mixed race people, depending on how dark and what their mixture is, like if you're black and native, you're low. If you're white and native, you're higher. If you're you're black, white and 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 black, then you are uh, above the blacks, but you're underneath the black and the white native mix. They have very strict racial hierarchies in this country. And the, the resources and powers in these Latin Americans company countries are divided thus and you go look at my my previous recording on latino and i talk about this in a little bit more detail so the latinos latin american hispanics are not a uniform race or uniform culture of people they just have a uniform language of spanish and some portuguese because they were conquered and colonized by europeans from spain and portugal and later, many of those colonies were overtaken and overthrown by the United States and the UK and, and France. Like many of Spain's former colonies are now colonies of the United States. Neo-colonial colonies. El Salvador is a neo-colonial colony of the United States. Cuba. Dominican Republic. Puerto Rico are now all under the sphere of influence, the umbrella of influence of the United States. And the United States has taken direct control of their ports, of their economies, of their political systems, and trained and armed their militaries and police forces. And here we sit, when we see people coming from a country that has no sovereignty, no autonomy, has no independent economic infrastructure, all of the oligarchs and elites of that country are either from the United States or directly controlled puppets of the United States. And when they come to the country that runs their country, these are might as well be states. El Salvador tried to have a Marxist Leninist government. They said, we don't want to be with America. We don't want to be capitalists. We don't want to rake our ecosystem. We're sick of this racist racial hierarchies. We see that if we in implemented a socialist government and the native majority and the blacks could come and be full part of the government. We don't want no part of America. We don't want no Confederate racist cracker ass uh, a capitalist system in this country. And they formed a, 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 a socialist movement and a socialist Marxist Leninist government so that the people could collectively decide the, 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 the priorities and the economy of the state and the resources of El Salvador will be justly distributed amongst all the El Salvadorian people. And the United States formed death squads. The United States, the CIA, and the U.S. military attaches and U.S. military advisors went down there and trained people in, in torture techniques and, and, and massacres. And when the international community said, what's going on? The United States says, mind your business or you'll get a nuke up your ass. El Salvador belongs to the United States. What did Colin Powell say at the, at the uh, U.N.? He said, if you break it, you bought it. So just as a radical. 
If I see an El Salvadorian coming to the United States saying, give me my cut, I can't really justifiably and be humane and just and just fairness and say, well, no, you don't have a U.S. citizenship. What the fuck does a Social Security number mean when it when you don't when you have lived under U.S. imperial rule? Really, you can go right back to the, 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 the banana and the coca plantation. You can go back to slavery. But let's just go by the white folks books. Let's go by what they say. Let's not even lean to our own understanding. Since the 1960s, your government has been under direct U.S. military and political dictatorship. Every one of your leaders that you selected was assassinated or sent into exile. And every one of your sustained leaders has been handpicked and supported by the U.S. And this maniac who's under U.S. support has arrested 2% of the population. He just goes around arresting poor people. If you are on drugs in El Salvador, they throw you in prison and torture you. If you are accused of dealing drugs, if you have a tattoo, if you are anything other than an affluent white person in El Salvador, you are subject to detainment, uh, arrest, torture. 2% of the population is in custody. And you're like, 2% is a small number. The United States has the highest incarceration rate in the, U in the world. For every U.S. prisoner, everybody in jail in the world, 25% of them are locked up in the United States. But guess what percentage, per capita percentage, of the U.S. population is in jail? 0.7%. Less than 1% of U.S. citizens are in jail. So look at El Salvador has 2% of its own population arrested. That is a, a phenomenal because it's El Salvador. Nobody says nothing. Nobody even talks mass incarceration, even brings it up. And there's another policy that if you look up, United States has this policy. What they do is they'll get an El, El Salvadorian migrant worker. Someone comes here 16, 17, trying to make a living being a migrant worker off the books, getting paid starvation words, wages, and he's here working and he gets picked up by ICE. He gets picked up by La Migra and he's put in a, a California prison, an Arizona prison, a Texas prison. While his immigration case goes on and when he goes into this brutal prison system, he has to join a gang. He has to click up to survive. So you have thousands of these young immigrants who are, are picked up for not any crimes because personally, I don't believe that empires have territorial integrity. If you violate the territorial integrity of another nation, it's only fair that people can violate your territorial integrity. So until every foreign U.S. military base is closed, don't sell me shit about the U.S. borders. Until the United States starts respecting the borders of other countries, until the U.S. stops its illegal sanctions, against other countries, other nations, until the U.S. stops sending its military abroad without even a declaration of war, until every foreign U.S. military base is shuttered. I don't want to hear a motherfucking thing about the U.S. border. And especially from black people. It's weird as fuck to hear black people talking about in our country. They come into our country. So I know y'all ask me, what do I think about that little $51 million 
Y'all don't want to hear what I have to say. Y'all don't want to know the radical perspective. Y'all want to keep it reactionary. Y'all want to keep it surface. They got our money. <laughs> as if, if the $51 million was not given, as if that was money they took out of, from that, that was slated to come to our community and they just shunted it over. That's why black, you got black people really think they sent a billion dollars to Ukraine as if the day before the Ukrainian conflict, that money was going to come to our community. Y'all really, they really got y'all believing in trickle down economics. But I digress. But what I'm saying is you got El Salvadorian. Let's say you in El Salvador. Half your siblings had died before they reach one year old because there's no infrastructure for medicine. There's no work. All your economy, you have an extraction economy, meaning that everything that is built up in your society is built up to export to the West. Whenever you look at a country that claims it has an immigrant crisis, you'll notice that that same fucking hypocritical country is robbing the resources. People follow their resources. You got people in Europe, in the UK and France, all these immigrants stop stealing people's shit. France will go to the Middle East and take all the oil and don't want no Arabs in their country. The UK will go to uh, 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 East Africa, go to Kenya and steal all their agricultural uh, production and don't want no Kenyans, don't want no Africans in their country. The United States goes down to, 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 to Latin America and builds all these shoddy factories to make these luxury goods and ship them back and don't want no Mexicans in the goddamn country. Man, these man these people and then you get the oppressed people from within those countries you get black people with french citizenships you get black people with with uh uk citizenship you get latino people with american citizenship talking about these people coming to our country instead of uniting with the man i have to say i get i'm sorry Kwabana. But I have to quote DMX. Are y'all niggas crazy? But I digress. You got an immigrant that comes to the country. He's got. Because he's like, listen, I could come here. Live off processed food of the food I can glean from the fields. And I can send ten dollars home a week. That's enough. That's the difference between starvation and survival for my family. So I'm going to go to America and take a job from an American. <laughs> That's how we take a job. The only time we talk about taking jobs is when we're talking about immigrants. I've known mad black people that get hired in jobs, fired and hired. I know mad black people. I know black people that had dozens of jobs. And they never came to me and say, hey, I took a new job. I took a job. Nobody says take a job. Only people that take jobs in this country are migrants. When Americans get jobs, we receive jobs. We're hired on jobs. We don't take jobs. But migrants, they get to come here and just take jobs. But anyway, so they put them in prison. They put these migrants in prison. And there's a policy here that if you are an immigrant, legal or illegal, if you commit a crime, if you violate U.S. law, you get deported after you serve your prison sentence. So I'm a young El Salvadorian. I came here to work the fields. I got, I'm a skilled or semi-skilled or no-skilled laborer. I'm here doing grunt work. I get picked up by ISIS, La Migra, or some white citizen calls and report me, or some angry black American calls and says I took their job, and I go get locked up. And I got to click up. 
Because the prisons are, are racialized. You got the white Aryans, you got the, 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 the black gangs. So I click up with the, with either I have to click up, but I can't even click up with the Hispanic gangs because like I keep telling y'all, Hispanics, Latinos are racist. So the Northern gangs of, from Mexico don't click up with the Southern gangs. And none of the Mexican gangs want to mess up with the Islander gangs. And the Islander gangs don't want to click up with the, with the uh, mainland gangs. The, the Central American gangs don't want to click up with the South American gangs. So everybody in there has got to click up in the, in the prison because the prison ain't nothing but a microcosm of the larger society. The predatory, uh, the, the, the sexual abuse, the economics of prison. White prisoners have more money than all the other prisoners, more commissary, more cigarettes. Get preferred treatment from the guards. Same old shit. And the white gangs tend to be the most violent, even though the black gangs get all the blame for violence. Anyway, so you, you get in there, you get clicked up, you get traumatized, you get raped, you learn to do violence, you become saturated and, and, and you driven insane in the inhumane U.S. penal system that is not about reforming people. And most prisoners come out more violent, more criminal, more bloodthirsty than when they went in. And then as soon as you get out of prison, they put you in shackles, put you on a plane, and send you back to El Salvador. You left El Salvador as a migrant worker. You left El Salvador as a agricultural worker, as a semi-skilled, low-skilled tradesman, and you return a full-fledged, tatted-up, violent criminal. And they were like, why am I here? I could either try to migrate back, or since El Salvador is a conduit to the U.S. drug trade, I'll just click up gang up. And instead of sending my family $10, I'll make $1,000 a week in the drug trade and control. And so El Salvador was had an epidemic of violent gangs that weren't El Salvadorian gangs, but U.S. gangs by deported El Salvadorians. That they're dealing with to this day, U.S. deportion. And then so then you got the Salvadorians who came here who were locked up. And then went back there and started gangs. And then the young people who, who came up in El Salvador was like, listen, I was going to try to make my way here. I was going to try to go to the University of Dodd. I was going to try to get into the arts or maybe become an activist. But now the community is run by gangs of people who've been deported by America. So I'm getting the fuck out of here and I'm going to America, not just to make a living, but to escape having being forced to join these violent gangs. It's a cycle that the United States and the United States is cool with this because then I got the poor whites, working class whites. I got the blacks. I got the legal immigrants who are being exploited by the elites and they're all pissed off at the illegal immigrants instead of the elites. We can literally sit back and watch multinational corporations that fucking Bo uh, 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 Barack Obama from Chicago gave over a trillion dollars in interest-free, non-repaid loans to the financial cir circuit. And I saw less outrage of a Chicagoan, a Chicagoan giving a trillion dollars to billionaires than I saw giving $50 million to Honduran El Salvadorian. And Honduras... 
in 2009 under Hillary Clinton's State Department underwent a uh, coup d'etat and it's been a bloodbath open-air drug market Honduras has the highest rate of violence but not just the highest per capita rate of violence they have the highest per capita rate of sexual violence rivaling South Africa and India on targeting women literally femicide going on in Honduras and it's a narco state run by the US gang members that's Hondurans Guatemala do I need they got an ongoing native genocide Guatemala is another US puppet regime do I need to go down the list if you are truly don't want immigrants taking your job if you really pissed off about this measly 51 million dollars given to the immigrants you should be anti-imperialist if you are not a staunch anti-imperialist because that's what drives if there's two things the main things that drive illegal immigration imperialism and climate disruption so if you're not a tree hugging uh, uh, ecologist if you're not about restoration of the ecosystem if you're not about the redu reduction in carbon put footprint and sustainability and you're not anti-imperialism shut the fuck up about illegal immigrants period period because you my dear friend our goddamn Uncle Tom, if you sitting anywhere crying about the immigrants and you are not on the same because I am anti illegal immigration. But my solution to illegal immigration is eliminate the fucking borders. Can't have an illegal immigrants if there are no illegitimate borders, eliminate illegitimate borders and barriers to human movement. What is an illegitimate border? A border set up by imperialist. A border set up by capitalist. A border that is defined through unjust, unworthy, illegitimate power structures. So, if the natives want to say, hey, this is the, how we define a territory, I'll respect it. But what the hell you look like? I didn't already talked about this. I did a whole lecture at the university called Trespassing on the Plantation. What the hell we look like? We're literally picking cotton on the on the uh on the Chicago plantation. And then we see some other people coming on the plantation who's ripe for exploitation. And instead of saying, hey, let's burn down the place, we like oh, Guess what? They gave the damn the the new arrivals to the plantation an extra bucket of chitlins that could have came to our children. You hustling backwards. Y'all fighting over crumbs. $51 million ain't a goddamn thing. I know it sounds like a lot of money. For one person, it is a lot of money. But where do you think that money's going? Do you think they're going to walk up to each of those immigrants and give them a cut? They, the immigrants, what they're doing, what is actually doing, <laughs> which is weird. I hate to speak like this, but I got to speak in the language that y'all reactionaries understand. This is job creation. What is going to happen is that your sons, your nephews, your cousins who went to college and got civil service degrees, who got uh, psychology degrees, who got law degrees. That's who the money's going to. Your, your auntie that owns some real estate, that owns some property and rental property, that money is going to be saturated into the community. It's going to go to mostly white people. The white social workers, the white property owners, the white developers, 
white psychologists, white pharmaceutical companies to provide service to these people. Just like when all the money goes overseas and foreign aid, U.S. foreign aid is nothing but welfare for white industry in America. Well, we're going foreign aid to Africa. That means they're going to give a billion dollars to, to, to white farmers to send $10,000 worth of grain to Africa. They're going to give a trillion dollars to white ma manufacturers, weapons manufacturers in the United States to send a million dollars worth of bombs to Iraq. Y'all don't understand this hustle. It blows my mind. And y'all mad at the migrants. Sleeping on the floors in police stations. Like they had any part of this. Like the migrants went to the city council and kicked in the door. And it's just so weird. This is outrageous. But y'all outraged at the wrong level. Your outrage and your anger is set at the wrong level. And let me tell you about this political theater of these black politicians who get up in the city council and say, oh, y'all giving money when we suffering. We were suffering before they gave the money. What the fuck was you doing? What the fuck were you doing the day before the $51 million were allocated? And if you go back and I watched the city council meetings and those black sellouts got up and said, we need money for blacks. We need money for children. But there were no specific projects, no specific objectives, no specific agencies, no specific policies, no specific in, uh, uh, issues. That's called political theater. When someone just gets up and says the blacks, when someone just gets up and says the babies, they are hustling you and they are conning you. And what they're really saying is, damn, I could have hustled this money. I could have pocketed this money. The hood was never going to see that 50 million dollars. Because if a real politician would have got up and said, these are the proposals, these are the projects, these are the fun underfunded agencies that I have proposals on the books. So before you go to that $51 million, this shit has not been funded. They didn't have that. Them nah, we not have that. All the black politicians can get up and all the black leaders, we black people. They're using you as a pawn and we falling for it. If the vote had failed, let's say, nope, we're going to deny the $51 million. We're going to leave these uh, migrants and we're going to allow this atrocity to stand and we're just going to let it happen. Where do you think that $50 million is going to go? You want to know where it would go? Back into the surplus. And you know where the surplus goes? To the motherfucking police. To the motherfucking multinational corporation. I hate to curse, man, but God damn it. We sick boss. I started to call today's show, we xenophobic boss. We just mimicking these white people to our own de detriment. You, you want to know where the money really goes? You want to know how I know the black Chicago in particular and Chicago in general ain't serious about economic justice? Y'all rather fight immigrants over $51 million than fight these goddamn economic and corporate elites over the trillions and millions and billions of dollars they stole from us. Right now, Chicago, the Illinois and the state of Chicago is under, a state of Illinois is under a flat tax. A flat tax was adopted in 1969. You know what was going on in the 19, late 1960s, 1969? Black uprisings. And they understood. White folks knew before we knew. Black people, this Jim Crow shit ain't going to last. We're not going to be able to dominate black people just through brute force anymore. 
We got to give them the illusion of integration. We got to give them the illusion of equality. But we ain't trying to give up no resources. We ain't trying to surrender no power. So how do you give people freedom and dignity, but no power, no authority? How do you keep them subordinate while allowing them the illusion of freedom? And that was called the technology of control. We used to just be like, if you step out of line, we'll lynch you. If you step out of line, we'll burn your house down. Now, if you step out of line, we'll lower your credit score. And we more scared of uh, our ancestors. <laughs> we bucking down and bowing down to fears. I had a, I, let me stay on track. So they came up with this flat tax, redlining, and all the tactics. So one of the tactics that they came up with was a flat tax, which basically means in 1969, where black people are like, we want freedom of opportunity, freedom of mo movement, freedom of access. We want these various freedoms. And when we get these various freedoms, we're not asking you to give us shit. We're saying we're going to work and work twice as hard to get half as far. And so they implemented this thing called a flat tax. And what a flat tax does is, is it, it maintains the status quo. If, if you are in a flat tax, if you low, you stay low. If you high, you stay high. The progressive tax, which is what white people used to create the middle class in the United States, the upper income tax rate that was implemented after the Great Depression that created the white middle class, the white middle class in the United States. The white middle class in the United States is not a product of hard work, savings, refusing to buy Jordans. Refusing to speak Ebonics and pulling their pants all the way up. We really got Negroes out here that pretend that white people are rich because they speak standard English and they wear their pants on their waist. And we poor because we don't. And they prefer Skechers over Jordans. That's the only reason why they, they got all the money. No, white people have money from progressive taxation. New deal, upper income tax limit. And when black people says, listen, we want access to everything white folks have so that we can have the same opportunities. They fucking cut that shit. They pulled the rug on the economic. They stopped the progressive taxation and implemented a flat tax. Which is basically keep the rich rich and keep the poor poor. And keep the middle of the middle. And that flat tax went on up until what was it? What was the year? It was just recently, two, three years ago, 2020, 2020 civic election. We had on the ballot, we're going to implement, we're going to do away with the flat tax and we're going to implement a progressive tax. That vote was in November. They announced it in May when they announced that the U they were going to, to, um, they were going to, uh, repeal the flat tax and implement the progressive tax that was there up until 1969, up until black people say, we about to get in this economic game. We're no more Jim Crow and us, no more is we gonna be integrated. We gonna get in this economic game. And they said, hell no. Flat tax motherfucker, no progressive tax which locked black people in. It's other things they did, but this is the money, where the money reside. 
other things are, are structural. There's infrastructure racism. There's institute. But this is economic suppression that was aimed that came on the day black people got off civil rights. The day they signed the civil rights bill was the same day they lifted and repealed many of the New Deal uh, reforms that allowed so many white people to enter the middle class. And we had a chance to reform this. And a white man, a billionaire white man named Ken Griffin spent $50 million of his own pocket money. $50 million is pocket money for these white and black people acting like they, we could have transformed the black community. We could have turned things around. If not for this $50 million, things would have been shown up different. Just to defeat a progressive taxation, one man spent $50 million and black folks didn't say shit. And how did he got, get the $50 million? Through unjust racist taxation. So if a man is spending $50 million, how much do you think he's about to gain? Ken Griffin, which I never heard no black person say his name, spent over $50 million. And when, when the progressive taxation, black people, when it was explained to the, to the citizens of Chicago and the citizens of Illinois were like, yo, you what's going to happen here is 97 percent of Chicago and Illinois residents will have their taxes reduced. But about there are over about 200,000 high earners, their taxes will go up four to five percent while we can reduce everyone's taxes. And this progressive taxation will fill in the, the economic deficits allow us to 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 advance infrastructure projects allow us to better fund schooling and education and i saw black people walking they don't want to pay no taxes black people there's a large segment of the population that pays no taxes that were like i don't like taxes i don't like taxes and you got black i know black people i know no this was in 2000 when was the vote i just i think 2020 2020 Ken Griffin paid $50 million to fund a campaign to defeat the progressive tax amendment. He wanted to maintain the flat tax. This is how they rob us. That is literally billions of dollars that have that are robbed from the black community. Billions of dollars taken from us off top. They taken this money off top. That could have come to our communities. And we crying over $50 million because they didn't put this robbery in the media. They didn't have our aldermen standing in the, on the floor screaming, our state senators fighting and screaming. Because many of them are in those upper income brackets, making over two, a quarter of a million or more a year. It's not even 200000 the, the, the tax reform would have increased taxes for 180,000 of Illinois' richest residents, while 97% of taxpayers would have seen their tax go down, and the working class majority voted against their own class interest. And Illinois, the reason Illinois has the level of austerity that it has now is because of the flat tax. There is no economic maneuverability. The, the, this state is not poor. Chicago is not poor or broke. Chicago is economically shackled and cannot serve the interest of the people because of policies implemented during Jim Crow. 
and we time and you thinking you don't even and so that's what a radical would say what do you got to say about a, the 50 million dollars not a goddamn thing it's not enough it should have been double to 50 million dollars who else is robbing us so so regressive taxation flat tax that favor the elites that favor your multinational corporation the tax evaders the tax not even call it tax evadence they call tax avoidance I'm not even going to go to the economic incentives. Oh, let's go into it. Fuck it. You want to be mad about the immigrants robbing y'all? Have y'all looked into the tax increment financing? 12.5% of the entire budget, over $840 million, $840 million every year. Do you know this $50 million is just a set aside for the next six months? They don't even have to spend all the money. And it's only available for the month of June. It's a band-aid on a gushing wound. I ain't heard no black people speak on TIF. Well, I have. Let me not lie. There's a little bit more understanding of TIF than there is about the taxation policy. Because when now the propaganda, the corporate-owned media, the elite-owned media got black people here. And when they hear the word tax, they're like, bad, tax bad, tax bad. Y'all don't like taxes. Even like I said, I lived in the housing project where nobody earned enough money to even pay federal income tax and they were anti-federal income tax. Are y'all crazy? But over $850 million and they got this rhetoric about public-private partnership. 25, 12% of the budget is given over to private developers. And if they either or they won't, they might do something or they might not. Welfare, off top. But y'all ain't said shit about the $840 million that are going to be going to private developers for whatever they want to do. Now, if y'all if y'all really want to pinch pennies and watch pockets, if y'all was on that, I'd be like, shoot. Black Chicago don't play. We watch the money, but we don't watch the money. We only watch the money they tell us to watch. You want to talk about 50? Guess who else got, not 50, 60 million dollars. The multi-billion dollar corporation Boeing was given 60 million dollars to relocate to Illinois. And they just left last year. They were given incentives equaling 60 million dollars of free money to say, hey, relocate here and create jobs. And as soon as the incentive ran out and, it, and, it, and they were saying, well, you, you can get a 60 million dollars tax bonus. And then once that's up, you'll start paying into the system, earning that money back. And as soon as the money ran out, they left. Whole Foods got two million dollars and a free strip mall paid for by the citizens to open a Whole Foods in Inglewood. $10 million, like where uh, Bezos needs $10 million to open a grocery store and the grocery store didn't last five goddamn years. Now, there was some protest and outrage about that. I mean, the list goes on. You know who the biggest drain on the budget is? The goddamn police. Oh, the police protect us. The police is the only industry. It's the only job is the worse you are at your job, the more money you get. The higher crime goes up, the more money you get. They need to treat policing like every other job. You do your fucking job or you don't get paid. You got high crime rates, police you get less money. Crime goes down, you get money. Crime goes up, you don't get shit. 
Your job is to produce and reduce crime. And if you don't reduce crime, you don't, you ain't earned your money. It's the only job that's incentivized to be bad at. You go to any other job and say, hey, we bring you here to do a task. And the worse the conditions get under you, the more we're going to pay you. How does that make sense? The police are the only people incentivized this way. And the police budget has gone up to a record high. $1.9 billion for these cops to ride around in these brand new gas guzzling cars. And it's summertime now. Everywhere you go, every other block, you're going to see cops sitting there with the windows up and the AC on. And they got and they sitting there kicking back, eating Harold's fried chicken. <laughs> not doing shit, but collecting bodies. Not preventing crime, not solving crimes, not not prosecuting, just sitting there and getting the money. And forget it. Maybe some of y'all really believe we need the police to keep us safe. But let's just forget about the budget. To pay for the cars, pay for the guns. They don't even pay for What are they spending the money on? Because don't the police have to buy their own equipment, their own bulletproof vests? I don't know how that works. The police get $1.9 billion. But let's set that aside. On top of that, since 2016, the Chicago Police Department has cost every Chicago citizen $578 million dollars because they can't stop brutalizing and abusing and raping citizens police brutality and police misconduct cases have cost us 570 because when the police go out there and do dirt and people sue the goddamn police the police don't have to pay for that out of their budget the money for police misconduct and brutality we literally have to pay the police to abuse us just last year, $93 million were paid out by the city of Chicago for malpractice. So if you in City Hall and the floor is wet, you slip and break your back, you can sue the city. You can sue the city if there's some other type of uh, uh, public or civic managed space or, you know, you go to a, uh, uh, the DMV and some a light fixture falls on your head, you sue the city. Whoever manages it, they're liable, right? So in 2020, in the most recent budget, the city of Chicago has paid out $93 million. Out of that $93 million, 73% of that was due to police misconduct. 73% of Chicago's liability cost come directly from the police. Almost double what they given the the the. So all I want to say is I could go on. I could go on. I didn't even get into the corporations or the rich individuals or the Catholic church and the various churches and how they're robbing the city bond with their taxes in status. And how the churches are buying up buildings and, and, and tracks and tracks and tracks of land. And not getting taxed on it, pretending, oh, I'm a religion. Involved in everything from politics, which is illegal for the church to be involved in politics, education, running schools, the Catholic diocese. And y'all mad at 50 million dollars. You think that's real money? And it's not even 50 million. They're not even going to spend the full 50 million. And the money's not going to the immigrants. It's going to the Americans providing services to the immigrants.
So it's really going to be a payout to middle class white people. The majority of that cash on hand is going to go to shore up the businesses and the agencies run by middle class white people. So even if you're mad that the immigrants are getting services, you could at least say, well, hell, let black people start some some services because the services got to be there. Who's going to provide medical services? They have to be, you know, English languages. And a lot of those people come here with tuberculosis and other communicable diseases. You want them to get the care. You want every one of those immigrants to get a full TB workup and X-ray. They come here with tropical and infectious diseases. Because the United States refuses to let them develop their own infrastructure. The United States steals trillions of dollars from Latin America and the Caribbean every year. The people come here following their resources. So stop asking me about what I think about the $50 million. Ask me what I think about U.S. imperialism. Ask me what I think about the climate change and the destruction of the ecosystem. Ask me what I think about the corrupt capitalist, neocon capitalist, neoliberal capitalist system that is destroying our lives and choking us off economically. Ask me about what I think about the manipulation to get poor people fighting. Poor people with American citizenship want to bang on poor people without American citizenship. When we all should be banging on the global elite who don't give a damn about no citizenship. Even when the elites start companies, they'd be like, we're not an American company. We're a national company. They don't give a shit about these borders. It's only the poor people who get the least from the country want to rave the flag and act like the fact that they got a social security number and a birth certificate means a goddamn thing. We sick, boss. And it's another thing, man. People want to ask me about don't ask me nothing. <laughs> People want to ask me about uh, AI. Oh, AI is going to kill us all. AI is going to kill us all. And my wife is really worried about this. You know, my wife is a researcher and she's like, this AI shit is fucked. This AI is going to kill us all. And let me tell you what my answer to this. You take this AI threat and put it on the pile of all the other threats white people have brought all the other existential threats, the apocalyptic threats. Take your pick. I'm still bugging out about the AI threats. I'm still bugging out about the existential threats that have been here 20 years ago. I, I ain't got time. Y'all ahead of me. I don't, like I said, atrocity hopping. Y'all be jumping on to the next shit. Y'all jump on to the next shit. Do you know how many things that are on the verge of ending all life on earth? How many times do I got to tell you that this system of capitalism and white hegemony is destroying the life sustaining capacity of the earth? It's like y'all take these threats, these these threats to the world and y'all change them up like you change your fashion. Like you're changing your clothes. What's the hottest threat today? What's what's the trending threat? I don't want to be on the old threat. That's not cool. I don't want to be on the old extinction. What's the new extinction? What's the hottest extinction trending? Skeezers and weird. Because listen, how am I supposed to be tripping off of AI when I got microplastics in my bloodstream? When I got microplastics embedding themselves in my gray matter? When there is more plastic 
by metric ton of plastic in the ocean than there is biomass? And they're still producing plastic when there are viable, biodegradable, non-toxic alternatives to plastic. And there is literally a plastic lobby that gives millions of dollars to politicians that stops them from banning plastics. And even when they started banning plastics, people go out and riot. So microplastics can end the world before AI even gets a chance to. And they don't even understand how minute these particles can get down to a microscopic level. When you take a deep breath, you inhale more plastic than oxygen. Have y'all forgot about global warming? Not even AI can survive global warming. Because one thing that, that the microprocessors and the superconductors and the supercomputers need is coolant. Them computers overheat, everything melts down. So y'all scared of AI and AI is scared of y'all and it's scared of y'all driving your cars and scared of all this carbon emission. Scared of y'all meat eating. Methane emission. Y'all AI should be scared of y'all. First thing AI is going to do is be like, y'all killing me. Y'all talking about I'm scared. If I was an AI freaking program, freaking robot, I'd be scared of y'all. Y'all got the nerve. AI is like, I ain't even got a chance. Ain't nothing left to kill. Global warming. Carbon emissions. Have y'all forgot about the nuclear war? Nuclear bombs? I don't even hear nobody like y'all don't know all these nukes are still targeted on red alert right now. Nukes everywhere. Enough nukes to destroy everything on Earth 2,000 times over. Y'all talking about AI and ain't said shit about nukes in 50 years, 20, 30 years. Remember the nuclear nonproliferation treaty that was ripped up? And forget about, let's say there's no war. There's nuclear power plants. There's nuclear fallout. There's depleted uranium. Fukushima is emitting millions of tons of radioactive contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. And y'all still eating fish. But y'all tripping off of AI, mass distinction and biodiversity. Have not the biologists saying we can't allow all these animals to go extinct because there are what is called an anchor species. And if one species goes extinct, that can start a cascade of hundreds, if not thousands of other deaths, like the death of the fucking bees could kill us all and collapse the food system. Loss of biodiversity and mass extinction which has been going on for almost 150 years. And y'all telling me about AI. I caught up on the old. And you heard of ocean acidification and the death and extinction of bioplankton, which is the source of oxygen does not come from the trees on the ground. The primary source of oxygen on the earth is phytoplankton and phytoplankton is dying out. But y'all telling me about AI. And that should happen before the first supercomputer was created by IBM. Are y'all crazy? What about the methane vents in permafrost? There are literally geysers of flyers, geysers of fire in, this, in, in, in the, the uh, Siberian permafrost. And methane gas is many times more uh, 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 volatile and reactive than carbon emissions. What? 
weaponized viruses and bacteria, ethno-specific plagues, terminator seeds and GMOs, peak resources, fossil fuel. So, yeah. So, yeah, okay, we got a new threat that's that has the potential to kill us all. And all I can say is take that and put it on the mountain, the pile of with all the other threats. That's what I have to tell y'all. We sick, boss. That's what I have to tell y'all. Take that and put it with all the other ones. And it's literally like it's a fad to be afraid of AI now. It's like the hot new thing. Y'all been living with all these other threats to life. Y'all been ignoring all the other whistleblowers and all the other scientists that have been telling us about all these problems going all the way back to the 1920s. They knew about global warming. Going all the way back to the sub-Saharan slave trade. They knew about deforestation. Monoculture agriculture was destructive during the Dust Bowl. They already knew. If not for fossil fuels, the, the bread bastard of America, the Midwest would be an arid desert. If not for all the petroleum that they dump on that land is, as, as, as fossil fuel fertilizer. And the moment that the fossil fuels run out, the half of uh, most of America's farmland will be a complete desert. And the rest of the, the other half of American farmland along the coast, California, Florida, citrus farms will be under salt water. Can't grow shit with salt water for human consumption. Can't grow on land inundated by salt water. And y'all telling me about AI. Y'all telling me about AI and I just say, I, I. One thing all these issues have in common is capitalism and white hegemony. Overthrow capitalism and white hegemony. And what y'all do is people get their little pet issue. Well, I'm going to fight the nuclear problem. I'm going to fight against the bacteria and viruses. Be an epidemiologist. I'm going to be a, uh, recycle plastics. And nobody goes to the core. Nobody goes to the root of this shit. Everybody wants to just pick their pet project. I'm exhausted, y'all. That's been a big part of my organizing issue. Being a true radical. And I would join radical organizations and be like, this is not radical. This is not addressing the core. This is some surface shit. And people be like, well, don't be in our group. Get out of our group. I start my own organizations. And I try to really organize and develop around radical shit. And people are like, I don't want to rock. This shit ain't what I want to do. I'm tired. You know, Seriously. So we sick, boss. It's the whole show, man. I want to share something real quick from 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 Brother Malcolm. Let me see. I hope y'all can hear it. Cause uh, I want to just go into the last leg of this talk. Let me check the time. Oh, we're doing good on time. It's eight thirty-six. Um. Again, this is uh, Q4 Radio, Q4.org. This is the Bro Diallo Show. Um, I hope y'all can hear this because I've been having issues with the sound all that. But let's play it. And if y'all can't hear what he's saying, let me know. Because I've been having trouble with this. 
Let's see. Back during slavery, when black people like me talked to the slaves, they didn't kill them. They'd send some old house negro along behind him to undo what he said. You have to read the history of slavery to understand this. There were two kinds of Negroes. There was that old house Negro and the field Negro. And the house Negro always looked out for his master. When the field Negroes got too much out of line, he held them back in check. He put them back on the plantation. The house Negro could afford to do that because he lived better than the field Negro. He ate better, he dressed better, and he lived in a better house. He lived right up next to his master in the attic or the basement. He ate the same food his master ate and wore his same clothes. And he could talk just like his master, master, good diction. And he loved his master more than his master loved himself. That's why he didn't want his master hurt. If the master got sick, he'd say, what's the matter, boss, we sick? When the master's house caught a fire, he'd try and put the fire out. He didn't want his master's house burned. He never wanted his master's property threatened. And he was more defensive of it than the master was. That was the house Negro. But then you had some field Negroes who lived in huts, had nothing to lose. They wore the worst kind of clothes, they ate the worst food, and they caught hell. They felt the sting of the lash. They hated their master. Oh, yes, they did. If the master got sick, they prayed that the master died. <laughs> if the master's house caught a fire, they prayed for a strong wind to come along. This was the difference between the two. And today you still have house Negroes and field Negroes. Yeah. I'm a field Negro. Um, I wanted to share that because I already have people asking me, what are we supposed to do about all this? <laughs> and it's quite simple. What we're supposed to do it's very obvious what we must do. How to go about doing it, that's a whole nother thing. What we have to do is dismantle the systems and institutions of global white hegemony. White people are not only unfit, they're absolutely unworthy to govern the world. And their system of accumulating resources and wealth, their system of distributing resources and wealth, their systems for, for defense are all anti-human. And this is not just me as a black man on the outside of that shit. Many white people understood this. Not just Karl Marx. You don't have to go back a hundred years to find, you got modern scholars from Tom Hartman liberals to, 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 to Michael Parenti radicals. Half the people in this book I unboxed all understood to say, listen, Western culture, Western economics, Western philosophy, Western ideology, Western governance, Western spirituality, Western mythology should have never been allowed to proliferate across humanity. And instead of engaging in ongoing, unrelenting resistance, many black people have embraced it from the first day of slavery and colonization. Africans have been governed and ruled by the house Negroes, the integrationists, the status quo Negroes. 
We have to stop compromising, submitting to, coordinating with, and accepting and embracing the House Negroes, the black integrationist. I had a black man come on the Earn Your Liberation show. I was sick that day. I see the, <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways. The Lord works in mysterious ways. The Lord is like, I'm going to put bro Diallo on his back because I don't want him to sit across from this brother. Diallo got enough enemies and he didn't want me to make any because I said I want to win friends and influence people. But this brother sat there and said, listen, when Dr. Ball, when Geechee y'all said to him, hey, he was sitting there saying every black person stop buying Jordans. Spend less than you earn, even if that means starving your children, <laughs> even though if your earnings don't get aren't enough to sustain yourself, spend less than you earn. Don't buy Jordans and you can be wealthy and comfortable. And I always ask myself because I got relatives that are strivers. I got a relative that whenever you have a conversation to him, he's always talking about his stocks, his bonds, his property, his business ventures, his crypto. Always money, get money, get this money. And I said, yo, Cuzzo, what's the end game? Once you got all the money, what do you intend to do with it? And he knows it's a setup because he knows whatever he tells me, I'm going to, in his mind, I'm going to rip it. Rip it to shreds. So he's like, what you talking about? I said, once you get all this money and you got this multi-generational wealth and you got these accounts, you got these stocks, you got this property, you got these cars, you got these titles, you got these degrees, what then? What comes after? And he was literally stumped. He's like, that's the end unto itself. That's it. And I would think he at least say, then I get to go on vacations. I get to relax like them, them con men earned your leisure. I get to have leisure. I don't know, but I, let me tell you something. I've been around poor people and I've been around wealthy, wealthy, wealthy Negroes and it seems like the poor people got more leisure than the rich people. You know, getting big money is the guaranteed way to never have no comfort, never have a sincere interaction. You think everybody for your money. But I guess, I mean, on social media, rich people look relaxed as hell on seashores and sliding down tubular slides in Caribbean islands, private Caribbean islands. Weirdos. But anyway, I had a black man who says, I'm financially stable, I'm comfortable, I have an abundance of resources, I have all my needs are met, and that's that, that's the end game. And then when, 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 when Jared and Geechee were like, what about all this other shit I've been talking about all morning? He's like, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. When they ask Young Thug, about the injustices of the world. He's like, that's that's what basically these affluent whites said, listen, dictating and structuring the world is within the realm of white people, white men. Only thing I do is once the white man constructs the world, it is my job then to find out how to navigate the maze that the white man has set up. And at one end of the maze, the white man puts cheese. And at the other end of the maze, I mean, puts cheese, puts wealth in abundance. At the other end of the maze, he puts poverty. And it's my job to live my whole fucking life as a black man, navigating this wealth, avoiding the, 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 the poverty, 
incarceration, police brutality, and to get to the wealth and abundance. But he controls both ends. So if you controlled rich and controlled poor, what the fuck difference does it make? When they can kick in the door of the projects, they kick in the doors of black mansions as easily as they kick in the door of projects. And let's say there was even no racism and injustice. Let's say Europeans, white folks were able to construct a world and say, hey, everybody fully participates and you get your own merits. But it's still the melting polar ice caps, the mass extinction, the pollution, the contaminated blood vessels. Would we not be obligated to rebel? Let's say we all woke up and got our reparations checks in the mail and we all went out and properly invested. We didn't spend the reparation checks on on Jordans, but we bought stocks in Boeing and Raytheon. We all started venture capitalist firms to fund the extraction of, of resources from the third world. We all had a share of the emerald mine. We all were able to get enough money to buy a share in Elon Musk's daddy emerald mine and Tesla stocks of that fucking Nazi Elon Musk with Dave Chappelle. And we could all go sip wine and smoke cigars with Elon Musk and while Dave Chappelle sat on his lap. Would that be a, a sufficient payoff for loss of our freedom, loss of our identity, the deconstruction of our very capacity to think? Is it a payoff? Why isn't this system facing full-scale global rebellion? It's meant to side. The fact that you could be satisfied flying business class to a ravaged country in the third world where one section of this ravaged rape country, one section of the coast is, is, is set up by corporations where they've got beautiful amenities and those poor ravaged people come from the slums and put on monkey suits and dance and entertain you and braid your hair. I got black people. Oh, I went to Carousel. I went to Mexico. I went to uh, the Africa. And, I, and look how beautiful the African skyscrapers are. And black people, passport bros. I went to Brazil. Oh, it's so beautiful. And right up the street from where your beautiful resort is, they're slaughtering African people wholesale in Brazil, killing street children like they're vermin, rodents. Is it enough? That's a trade off. We are truly sick, even with the money, even our most successful. The, the integrationists and house Negroes have been ruling us. Have been at the forefront. Thought leaders, the cultural leaders, the political leaders have been the integrationists. And the way this shit is gone is that the radicals, the revolutionaries fight against the systems to win concessions. And the white man says, OK, I got to give concessions, but I ain't giving shit to the radicals. I'm going to give it to the Negroes who sat passively. And I'm going to assassinate. There are thousands of wealthy and affluent black people in this city that wouldn't be where they were if not for Chairman Fred Hampton. When they looked at Chairman Fred Hampton, they said, listen, we can't keep having Fred Hampton's rise up. 
So we're going to uplift a segment of the Negro community to serve as a buffer or a hedge. And them Negroes come and tell us instead of like Fred Hampton, rebel, revolution, socialism, they say, stop buying Jordan, pull your pants up, go to school, drink your milk. Obey the law. And they have the nerve to say that they're the Fred Hamptons. I'm the leader. I, I, I'm what you should strive for. We sick. Today, we have tokens. Let me tell you how black people break down in this system today. You have the tokens. The striving Negroes. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, Byron Allen. LeBron James, these aspirational Negroes that we could all strive that prove to us that if you work hard, you can make it. But what you have to understand, let's take a black billionaire, pick any black Oprah Winfrey, I don't know. Any industry you're into, tech, entertainment, take any Tyler Perry, I don't give a shit. Why do they stop at consumption? They say I should say some black people. <laughs> okay, Namdi. If it ain't you, then I'm sorry. If, if, if you feel that I'm talking about you, then I'm sorry. But if it ain't you, I ain't talking about you. My wife tells me the same thing. But okay, let's talk about these tokens, these aspirational. Hashtag goals, Will Jada motherfuckers. They have no interest in real power. They only want consumption. They don't want to dictate or govern. They don't want to create structures. They don't want to conceptualize how the world should operate and then implement that. They just want to remain in the good graces of the true elites. They offer no threat and no opposition. And there was a time where Europeans thought to themselves, we can't allow the Negro to have fame and money because the Negro will seek vengeance. There was a time going all the way back to the emancipation era and Europeans would have discussions like we have spent the last two and a half centuries brutalizing, mutilating, raping, exploiting these people. And what are we going to do when the Negro gets a hold of books and gets a hold of guns and learns statecraft? He's going to want vengeance. He's going to want to we owe a blood debt to the Negro that we could never repay. And to their pleasant supplies, they found we give a Negro a gun and a billion dollars and he's just going to be, he's going to be cool. He won't even seek, even if he gets into governance, he's only going to read our constitution. He's going to read our political canon and he's going to want to implement it better than us. He's going to read our holy books. He's going to worship our God and be more faithful to the tenets of our religion than we are. We out Pope the Pope and we out Muhammad Muhammad. No vengeance, no rebellion, no resentment. And then for the few Negroes that are resentful. This mass ocean of Negroes are going to call them hateful, going to call them resentful, going to call them lazy, going to call them crazy niggas. It's a good deal. We have to reject the tokens. What did I tell you a celebrity was? A celebrity is not somebody with talent. 
a celebrity who is, is, is someone who is the living embodiment of the aspirational, material aspirational goals of the system they live in. That's why you don't need to know how to dance. You don't need to know how to sing. You don't need to know how to chase a ball, dunk a ball, catch a ball, kick a ball. Just being an aspirational. Just going on social media and demonstrating the fact that I travel the world and I have all these luxuries and, and, and all these luxury goods and, and substances. That alone will make you a celebrity. And if you can sprinkle some talent on top of that, good for bully for you. We have to reject tokens and tokenism. If we seek to construct revolution, this ain't revolution. This puts us in a position to carry out revolution. I don't even know if we're in a position. We can't execute revolution because we can't even conceive. We can't even imagine. We can't even believe. We can't even hope for revolution. So that's the tokenism. Then we have the scapegoats. The scapegoats are just that. Those are the people you can heap all the blame on. Single mothers, black people who have succumbed to drug addiction, black people in the streets doing crime, gangbangers, the black youth, the black ne'er-do-wells, the black people that carry the burdens of the blame, that allow black people, the Uncle Toms, the tokens, to look past our oppressors, to look past our oppressors' wicked, backwards, omnicidal systems and say, hey, if you weren't snatching chains and purchase purses, we can't get nowhere. This is why we can't have nothing. Those are the scapegoats. We must reject the tokens. We must radicalize the scapegoats. We must politicize and radicalize. We can't become them. We can't be revolutionary but gangster. We have to elevate the scapegoats. The lumping. We have to politicize, radicalize. Stop telling poor black kids if you go to school. Stop telling black kids. You, you. Tell black kids, listen, we got to overthrow this system. And you're just as much a part of this system. The gangbangers are just as much a part of this system as the black establishment. A black CEO and a black gang leader are, are both tools instruments and allies of the oppressor one we celebrate one we condemn but they play the same goddamn role so we have to radicalize the scapegoat the black masses the black lumping then you have the useful idiots these black people are not necessarily the elites they're not necessarily anti-black Black people that say, hey, I'm just trying to get mine. I'm just trying to, you know, I love the Lord. I love my family. I take care of my kids. Have no political analysis. They're not necessarily in the streets doing crimes and they're not in the boardrooms conspiring with our oppressors. But they have not cultivated their political consciousness. That, that they could be, this is really the majority. They could be a potent revolutionary force but they want no more than the system tells them they want the useful idiots then you have the like-minded minorities i didn't come up with this term 
The like-minded minorities are the black people who understand the system, who understand their role in the system, and that's what they want. Kanye West, Thomas Sowell, Clarence Thomas. We used to call him Coon. Uh, no, we used to call him, what do you call him? Uncle Toms and Sambos. Handkerchief head Negroes. They the like-minded. They are truly capitalists. They don't, they're not like the useful idiots or the scapegoats. Hey, this is just the system what it is. It just is what it is. These are Candace Owens, Tina Turner. I know y'all mad at me for telling Tina Turner, telling y'all who Tina Turner really was in terms of her ideology and politics. So the use, the like-minded minorities are the black conservatives, the black confederates, Charleston whites, the uncle ruckuses, real time, real world uncle ruckuses. And Europeans are very aware of these people. They're not our shame alone. They're very aware that there are black white supremacists that would say, hey, I prefer a world, a capitalist world governed by white folks, black people. If they got in control, I don't want that world. And they're not just there in Africa. There are Negroes on the African continent born in an African country, only speaking African language and get up and put on that powdered colonial wig and those uh, uh, dusty colonial robes and gets out there and carries out colonialism. And it ain't a white man in sight. Dr. Clark, uh, not Dr. Clark, Kwame Ture said called that picking cotton at night. Doing slave shit when you ain't got to do slave shit. Volunteering to do slave shit. Picking cotton at night. And lastly, we have the mimics. And some black people can be a combination of these things. Who are the mimics? <laughs> Y'all not going to like this. But you got black people that pretty much mold into whatever system they're in. I knew a guy I grew up with. And he was with this group we formed called the Inner City Natives. That was like a collective of politically minded black people who wanted to make sure that the community, the culture was infused with politics. So we had hip hop, we had, you know, Afrocentricity, but we wanted to bring in the politics. But anyway, when he was around us, he was political, he was vegan, he was progressive. Then he went off to college to study finance and he became a, a, a capitalist shark conservative. And then he went to the Asara Set Society and he became an Asara Set cultist. A, a, a comedic cultist you know just the people who basically are like water and take the shape of whatever vessel they're put in they have no real identity no real objective no real ideology you know and i don't know if those people can be turned or what but it's just these different states of of menticide our capacity to think our mentalities, our identities have been systematically destroyed over generations. And when we try to reconstruct them, there are several contaminations. There are several obstacles. And the only thing that will bring us across that line is worldwide pan-African revolution. And you say the word pan-African, some black people shudder. They're disgusted. 
Just had some idiot in the comments talking about Africans don't want to be <laughs> And don't tell me what anybody won't have done. Africans doing a lot of shit we don't want to do. So if we're going to do something we don't want to do, at least let it be something that's for our interest and not somebody else's. You know. Anyway, this is the Bro Diallo Show. I'm very happy to be back. I didn't want to bring you down. I I, I really ain't trying to... Uh, trying to uh discourage you but sometimes you know uh i just gotta uh keep it real keep it above but i keep it real all the time i suppose but anyway i really appreciate you taking time to listen to the bro diallo shout out shout out to charles um excuse me h kerr publishing company for this wonderful and generous gift um, this is really inspiring me to bring back the Bro Diallo book review. The books will look well bound, colorful titles. I really appreciate this this gift and uh, acknowledgement of the work I do here on the broadcast system and in the community. This Wednesday, Skip Coon and I will be back with the Rational Radical Show. Uh, we'll be discussing um, hip hop at 50 years old. Um, so, and this is good because he's an, a hip hop artist. I've been a lifelong hip hop fan, so it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a lively discussion. And Friday, um, we'll have the, uh, Earn Your Liberation show with Bro Diallo, Geechee Yaw, and, uh, Dr. Jared Ball. And also go pick up, I'm talking about books, uh, The Myth of Black, ba Black Buying Power, Volume 2. So, it's a great edition. I look forward to reading it. So go check that out. Um, Dr. Ball. Uh, I mix what I like dot com promote his book, you know, so and uh, show him the love too for his work. He's very proud of that book, a little too proud of the book. If you ask me, calm down, settle yourself. <laughs> anyway, going on. OK, let's go out with the legal business uh, by Boogie Down Productions. I'm in a Boogie Down Productions state of mind. I'm in a Boogie Down Productions mood. So um, bring back Boogie Down Productions. Karis One is just not doing well as a solo artist, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, here's Illegal Business Controls America, and I'll see y'all next Monday with the Bro Diallo Barcast. Also, on the 20th to the 24th, I will be in Atlanta. Unwillingly, I'm not a biggest fan of Atlanta, but there's a uh, conference there, so more on that. If you are in Atlanta, holla, holla, holla. Let's get some vegan food and soy lattes or oat milk lattes when I get down to Atlanta. Look forward. I ain't been there in a minute. And I guess everything I've said about Atlanta on the Bro Diallo show, I take back. <laughs> and then on the 25th, when I get back to Chicago, I'll say them again. But from now to forward, I'd like to call a truce on with Atlanta so that I could just peacefully go there and go to the conference and go to scribe with my wife and get some, like I said, some oatmeal lattes and some vegan dishes. And then when I get back here, I'll talk greasy about Atlanta again. But from now forward, me and Atlanta are cool, right? Isn't that how it worked? Checking in or whatever. Anyway, let's go out. Q4 Radio, Q4.org. Shout out to the Q4 family, and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>